live once again. Welcome to the Not A Rabbi podcast. This is episode two of season two, a podcast where I have ruled we do not have to have a Shabbos Goy for the space lasers. And yes, we will be getting into the space lasers uh, a little bit later on with a new, new segment of the show. Uh, and we'll be unveiling that title and that uh, all that information a little bit later on. But before we get into it, welcome everybody, everybody who is joining into the live chat here on the channel of uh, the fifth column discord server so i appreciate everybody coming in and if you do guys if you if anybody does have a question don't hesitate to pop up and ask the question as well because i'd like to have the feedback and i work better in a crowd you know i guess what we could start off with is i posted to the uh to this discord's channel actually the fifth column discord is and a question about what topic you guys wanted to hear about and i had given several topics some of them i thought were going to be more uh, interesting some of them i thought not as interesting but i added it and um i think it was on somebody's suggestion i don't remember uh if it was or if i put it in myself but uh, i'm gonna say i put it in myself because hey that's how i roll we uh it came up the topic uh that wanted to be discussed this episode was the topic of an eruv now that's i'm actually fascinated and if the reasoning why and if anybody who did vote for Aruv um, would like to chip in and explain their reasoning for it um, <clears throat> I would be more than interested to hear what the what the uh, reasoning was um, but uh, if you don't want to that's okay also and we can just go along with the uh, with this exceptions to rules are always fascinating okay DJ thank you for that uh, and yes um narco bidenist does not know what the topic means so let's get into what the topic means so we can go through that a little bit and i'm going to try to to uh break this down as easily as i can uh just as a brief introduction to this a pre-introduction for lack of a better term uh there is an an entire tractate of the talmud bavli uh, the, the Babylonian Talmud and also the Jerusalem Talmud and it uh, deals with this topic uh, additionally we uh, this is one of the three tractates uh, that are that in Hebrew turn um, have the acronym of poor which is one of the let uh, one of the letters for the acronym of poor uh, the word poor in Hebrew which is ayin nun and yud and uh, erevin begins with an ayin so it's uh, this is these are this is a very very complex what I'm trying to get that is this is a very very complex topic uh, the tractate is complex as well uh, having gone through it twice I can definitely tell you that and um, you know probably a little bit more intelligent about it than I had been when I started that uh, you know seven and a half years ago one of the 39 major 
violations uh, or Sabbath violations. So you, one of them, 39 main things that you are not allowed to do on, on, the Sab- on Shabbos, on the Sabbath, is, or carry. When you talk about the carrying, that in <clears throat> a biblical idea is ta- carrying from one private, one pri- outside of one's private domain. And again, there's a lot to be sp- said about this, so I'm just, I'm trying to keep it as uh, simple as I possibly can. But the topic of the so it has to be always in one person's or your a, a person's private domain where you are either joined with that in that private domain so you're a partner in it or you are going ahead and it's your own private domain and so that is one type of domain that there is there there are two types of domains that i want to speak about and uh, mention here uh, that are really the most important and this is the one which is a private domain and then there is also what is called a public domain and they're carrying on the on shabbos is totally not allowed what would be considered the an example of a public domain um, a public square would be an example of a public domain if you've ever been in prague uh you know the big public square over there that would be considered a public domain uh, there are debates about um how many people need to be through it uh some people say that need to, there need to be six hundred thousand people that pass through it daily and uh that is up for debate like i said i'm not going to get into that because uh we, we'd be getting far into the weeds about that however the the key about this is that it needs to be at least 28 feet wide that's probably the only measurement that there really is given and that's something that uh, Maimonides codifies that it needs to be 28 feet wide um, all right so anyway now that we've gotten that under out out of the way uh, if you cannot see this I'm holding up a book and it's in the show notes um, it's a very interesting book that I got right at the end of my studying of uh, this topic and it's called Walking the Line it is written by an individual by the name of Rabbi Chaim Jachter I believe is how he pronounces his last name if it's not I apologize and it is uh, it's a paperback book it's actually very interesting because it goes through the laws of an Eruv with its and taking it to its practical modern day aspect of things okay so now that we've talked about what a that you can't use a public domain or a private you can't walk in a public domain how do you make a how do you do this right how can you make sure that you are uh, walking in what would be considered a private domain um well it's very easy and this is where the a roof comes in obviously and the a roof actually makes everybody as if they are in one domain what is needed on this and i'm actually just as a full disclosure i am getting a lot of this information uh, i've gotten it from this book rabbi jackter's book i have also gotten it from a lecture that was given recently this week actually by uh, rabbi ruvain brand who is a uh, person that lives in chicago he is a dean of uh, talmudic studies in in chicago so um, i'm getting a lot of this from there there are three things that are needed 
in order to make a domain. And those three things are walls, food, and permission. So let's take these one by one to kind of break down. And again, this is a really a 100,000 foot view of Eruv and the topic of Eruv. And um, it is contentious within the Jewish communities in terms of what makes an Eruv, what doesn't make an Eruv. Uh, there have been debates, and I'm going to try to actually talk a little bit about some of the debates that happen here in Brooklyn uh, with regard to that. And uh, But let's go into this. So you need to um, create walls, basically, around or, you know, around your, this, this area that you want to create an Erev. So what is the best way to do that? You're going to have, <clears throat> um, the best way, the easiest way to do this is by creating a door or an entryway sort of that would make up the, that would make up the, uh, that would make up part of the wall. And those do not interrupt obviously as you, as you know from a house the doorways do not and do not interrupt the wall they just are kind of part of the wall and so therefore they go ahead and you uh you you have those and as with doorways you've got two doorposts and a lint door lentil the uh lentil lintel however you want to pronounce it um that's fine with me. So you, you're creating these doorways. Um, when you have the walls, there is a slope that is allowed to the wall to a degree. Um, not, hopefully it's not too extreme. That would probably invalidate it. Uh, bodies of water also interrupt this these walls and they cannot be included. You have to actually go around these some of these bodies of water as well. Major thoroughfares such as um, highways and the like are definitely excluded and would actually bisect the the uh, a roof, and you would not be able to cross that with carrying anything. So, what can uh, just to get back to the doorway part of things? What is it that can be made out of doorways? Is um, what can make the doorways are actually telephone poles or electric poles, anything like that, um, you are allowed to use those. Uh, and you're also, if I'm not mistaken, you're also allowed to use the strings or the, or maybe the power cables, or you put your own strings up that allow that go through this. And again, this is an extremely technical thing. So I don't want to go into it too much because I'm not sure how much I necessarily understand it, but I, uh, I do want to share at least some of these, these concepts. That's pretty much the topic on the walls portion of it. Um, folks in the chat, any, any questions so far? This also really lends itself to major debates that go on about what and where an Eruv can be, can be done. Uh, as you may have seen, and if not, I'm going to be adding it into the show notes. There's actually a video that is out with regard to the um, Manhattan, the island of Manhattan, where there is an area of, uh, around the island of Manhattan. Uh, there is also, then I think that's up for debate, whether or not that, that is valid or not. There's certainly a debate here in Brooklyn, whether or not 
multiple uh, Arabs that have been set up and kind of overlap so everybody could walk from one place to another in Brooklyn in the, the, where I live in the in a largely Jewish section of Brooklyn this is a big thing because people walk from neighborhood to neighborhood but this is actually a very a, a huge debate that uh, led to a lot of issues when some of these Arabs came up uh, because Rabbi Moshe Feinstein uh, who was a great halachic, halachic decider, decider of Jewish law, uh, and wrote many, many responsa. Uh, uh, there's, I have, there, he has written, he wrote nine volumes that were published, and I'm sure more that were not published, uh, which I actually have in my, in my library. He, he went ahead and he said, Brooklyn, for various reasons, is not able to have this kind of th this uh this an and other people disagreed with him who are also great there's not uh, in judaism as you know you have one you have uh you know two jews three opinions and this is the case where, where there were other great people that decided that there could be an Arab in brooklyn and um you know they they decided to go ahead and make it that is that is the wall portion of it now when you're joining people together, there is one, ma in addition to walls, there's one major thing that needs to be done in order for you to be considered like you're part of them. You're part of people. And what would that be? Anybody want to take a guess? Oh, actually, I said this three things already, so you should be pretty easy to guess. It would be food. Food is another portion of it. So let's say you are in a complex, um, let's say a condominium complex, for example, and you want to set up an Arab. There's no communal Arab in the Oak in the overall area where most Jews live, but you wanted to set up in the condominium complex uh, an Arab. And uh, one of the ways to do this is if everybody shares meals together, in let's say in a communal fashion, and there's one kitchen that you're eating out of, that would be that would be sharing the food, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. However, another way that this is done is that there is a box of uh, everybody chips in, I would say, and uses and and chips into for food. And what that generally is is that's generally a box of matzah, uh, plain machine, you know, the 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 regular Streitz, Manischewitz, you know, whatever other brands of matzah that you can come up with. Those are the, those are the types of matzah that that uh, that are used. They're usually kept in a shul. That is, uh, you know, that is that is how it is done with with food. Now we come to the third port, portion of this, which is also uh, I find very interesting, and that is the portion about permission, and what that means is that if you have non-Jews that are there in this in this area of area that you want to set up how do you go ahead and do that right how do you go ahead and and do such a thing and so the the answer is the short answer is that you would need permission from the non-Jews okay 
very well and good on a small very micro level you that's very easy you go to each individual and you ask them let's say again using the condominium complex as a as the our, our example here you could go ask any non-jews that live in the condominium complex and you could set this up and it's it's okay uh, the other issue or, or let's say, actually not the other issue, but let's say we want to go ahead and we want to do this on a more macro level. So we're talking about doing it for a, an entire neighborhood. How do you go about doing that? And that is an interesting question. And this is a, this is a question that the um, sages of the Talmud had uh, solved and have solved and w how we do it in our modern parlance I guess you could say for lack of a better term is that we generally rely on the local on the mayor or the local municipality or the local police department <clears throat> and get permission from them so if I'm not mistaken if I understand I, I know that there are some uh, there are actually some Eruvim, uh, which is the plural for an Eruv, uh, that are community-based here in New York that do that. They go to the mayor and they ask the mayor permission. Um, I believe it's every year that has to be renewed and get permission for it. And what is the reason for this, that they go to one of these people, is because they have the ability uh, on an emergency basis to go in and enter homes so that's why they they might say that it's the police or it's the uh, or it's the mayor's office these are individuals that have that ability to go into homes on an emergency basis that is uh what is actually going goes on over here and so once they get permission and the other two criteria are met then you go you go ahead and you have yourself an a roof and you know wh where this comes in it's it's very interesting and this could actually lead to a lot of debate within the city and you see you have seen this uh in slightly northern new york and also northern new jersey where jews are moving into these some of these towns uh because they want to get out of brooklyn and uh new york city and quite honestly don't blame them at all uh even though I'm still here, but that's a different story for a different time. You know, one of the things that they want to do is they want to set up an Arab so this way people can go back and forth. They could take their, they could carry kids to shul, they, you know, to the synagogue. They can go ahead and use strollers, and you know, just it makes life a lot simpler uh, on a for Shabbos. Some of the non-Jews, uh, for whatever reason, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Some of the non-Jews do not like this idea and they are complain they complain about it and they say that this is you know th there's whatever reason they don't want to have the uh, the Eruv and they try to put pressure on the town there have been cases where um, I'm trying to think of the cases there were a couple of cases in southern New Jersey actually where uh, they tried to invalidate the Eruv uh, for various reasons um, on a legal basis, United States legal basis, I should say, not a Jewish legal basis. And so they, they went ahead and they, uh, you know, they tried to do it. I think that there was a, uh, an issue with First Amendment rights in those cases in southern New Jersey. And so they went ahead and they went ahead and they, uh, you know, stopped it. They stopped this. But uh, it is because people are afraid of, uh, you know, 
Jews moving into the neighborhood, driving up the you know overly driving up the value and maybe reducing the way of life. I, again, I'm not. I don't want to get involved in that. That is not the reason that I am. Uh, I am doing this, and I don't want to talk about you know those those issues because. I don't know them. You know, those those have been the some of the issues. In fact, and I can't remember who it was, but um, who's being quoted. But I'll tell you the story. I was in Palo Alto, California, one time. I had to be there over a Shabbos, and the rabbi of the synagogue over there, uh, the synagogue's name is Amek Bracha, and this, the rabbi there is, I believe he's still there, his name is Rabbi Feldman, very nice man, had uh, have had chats with him, and he was, uh, he talked on his uh, Shabbos, Shabbos morning sermon, and he was, they were trying to get a Eruv put together for Palo Alto, and they were running into some political issues with that. So, and he quoted an English journalist who was commenting in, I think, the Times of London, maybe some other place, about the air of going up in London. And his basic line was, and I, I and I don't remember it, and it's it, it's it's the line has always stuck with me. It's very funny because the line has always stuck with me, but I can't remember it exactly. And the, but the line was sort of, for it's as crazy as it is for us to believe, for them to believe that this helps or makes a difference. It's crazier for us to argue that it doesn't. That's something along the lines of it, and I found it a, found it a very interesting approach to how to. Uh, and his point was just basically live and let live. This is not a big deal. It's not anything that's going to uh, have major change, uh, you know, with things. So anyway, that is the overall concept of Eruv in a nutshell. Any personal ah, okay, so any personal experience. Um, Narco Bidenist asked, "Any personal experience with an Eruv?" Uh, yes, I've had lots of personal experiences in that, with an Eruv. Not building one, not putting one up, um, but uh, you know, I guess that the most you know, when I go out of town, when I go, uh, you know, you know, back in the day when uh, pre-COVID, when we used to travel and we used to go for a, you know, go somewhere for a Shabbos, a lot of the out-of-town places that we used to go do have an Eruv. Uh, you know, where my sister lives in Chicago, there's an Eruv. And when we go to visit them for Shabbos, they have one. Or my sister's sister-in-law lives in Muncie. They have an Eruv also. And Muncie, New York, they have an Eruv also. Not Muncie, Indiana. That's a totally different place. Uh, but they have, an, they have an Eruv as well. And I take full advantage of that Eruv, uh, because it's a legitimate thing. Uh, here in New York, here in Brooklyn, I don't do it uh, based on a lot of different things. Um, again, you, you know, I, I guess you could say that the upshot is that um, my people whom I respected and uh, my, the dean, the, the you know, they're unfortunately both not with us any longer, uh, but the deans or the Roshe Yeshiva of my yeshiva were not uh, fans of this Arab, so I decided not to go ahead with it. I am kind of agnostic about it otherwise. Um, you know, when my, my brother-in-law lived here in 
Brooklyn, my, my wife's sister's uh, family, when they lived here in Brooklyn still, and they actually did use the Arif, and the first response to him that I had was, great, when are you guys coming over for a meal? They had, and they, because they had considerably a lot more kids than we had, and that would be easier for them to come on a Shabbos for a meal with, uh, without this. I mean, with the Arif than, uh, than, than without it. So it's, it's a, you know, it, like I said, it is, it can be a political hot potato sometimes, um, the, and it, it's, which is kind of ironic because uh, the idea of an Arif is to create some harmony and to create a sense of unity within the community. And sometimes it just does not happen and that's really a shame and it it uh, and you you know in life you have to have actually in this book rabbi jactor that rabbi jactor has um as i hold it up to to the camera yet again is uh let me find it because i was looking through it yesterday where he talks about the strict and lenient making allowances for each other and that is something that i think everybody in life needs to deal with and needs to know how to deal with to respect those other opinions those other opinions and make sure that they are uh they are you know you're okay with them there's no, there's nothing uh, nothing wrong with that anyhow that is that is the whole thing about uh Eruv that I've got to say. Um, does the treatment of an Eruv change during Passover? DJ, excellent question. You know what? That is a really excellent question. So what happens is, prior to Passover, they actually uh, get a new box of, they put a new box of matzahs there, um, and it renew, kind of renews it every Passover, if, uh, if that makes any sense at all. That's exactly what it does. It just renews it every, uh, every Passover. So you would have to deal with, uh, you know, you have that. Um, but uh, DJ, thank you for the question. That's a that is an excellent question. Otherwise, the treatment of an Arif does not change; it just gets uh, it, the the lease is renewed. I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. Uh, and again, you'd probably have to ask a real rabbi about those uh, those types of things uh, for that, um, in terms of the when that happens and how that happens. But uh, that's pretty much from what I understand. Um, you know that is that is the deal i mean it's actually an interesting question because when if you live in an apartment building you have similar issues to that as well where every uh apartment is its own domain and so if you if your kids want to go from one apartment to another apartment carrying stuff before you're invited out to a meal uh, or a potluck type of meal for a, on a Shabbos and you're bringing st you need to bring stuff from your apartment how do you go ahead and do that and you also have to create an air of within the apartment building for a lot of times unless unless uh, according to Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein unless the apartment is owned completely by Jews or not the apartment but the building is owned by a Jew therefore then you don't need one uh, according to his uh, his opinion so anyway that is that is that on in a nutshell uh, and if we don't have any more questions let's get on to the uh, segment I think everyone has been waiting for and it's the new segment which is going to be called the goyim no shut it down uh 
and unfortunately I don't have a good soundboard I don't have any soundboard actually um, but I would love to get something for that uh, and maybe I'll try to find something so as some of you I mean we're mostly a polit this the, the fifth column podcast discord channel is mostly a political podcast uh, political followers and there was a story from New York magazine this week that talked about Major Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who is QAnon uh, adjacent, less than more than adjacent, I guess you could say, talking about a couple of years ago, actually, I think this was a couple of years ago, where she talked about wildfires in California being started by the uh, a space a giant space laser that was owned by the Rothschild family. Now, usually the Rothschilds are used in shorthand as for the Jews, and so. Uh, this created obviously a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of screaming and yelling. Uh, we've all pretty much known that she is a nut uh, from other stuff that she has said. Uh, this pretty much only cemented it. And um, it's it's you know if you look at you know news commenting sites such as Reddit or others, there is a lot of talking about how there needs the the republicans need to really shut this down and shut her down and i believe that she definitely needs to be censured in in all of it um i can definitely tell you that uh this is not true there is no giant space laser um oh well, actually let's take a step back i mean yes obviously there is no giant space laser but let's just say for a second let's believe all the conspiracy theories the jews own the media the jews have a giant space laser don't you think that if they had a giant space laser that they would not the jews that since the jews own the media they would not allow the story to get out i mean it's just a, i mean to me that's just a little bit of critical thinking that you need to take in there and try to believe for a second right they don't the Jews own the media why is it that they are letting the story get out unless they want we want you to know um, but anyhow that you know that question rang into my head right away when I saw this article um, also thank you very much to Dash Riprock who is not actually in the uh, in the chat tonight um, but thank you very much for Dash Riprock thank you very much for that link um, you know, and there was some more nonsense, uh, Ren, who is also not in the channel tonight, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm calling you all out, yes, 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 um, you ha uh, they have, uh, she pointed out some Twitter nonsense that went on, which was basically, uh, blaming the wokeness, quote-unquote, of, uh, a lot of Jews for, this type of belief but i don't think that that is necessarily the case by the way both of these links the link to the <coughs> the link to the uh, to the new york magazine article and the uh, twitter stuff is is going to be up in the show notes uh, once i get that up up gets the show uploaded any event we had this we have this little problem um and, and basically what i was going to say is the wokeness this is not the issue because this is a problem that exists both on the right and on the left it doesn't matter how woke or how alt-right you are you are subject to this 
uh, belief in anti-Semitism that they, the media believes in everything. Uh, you'll either believe George Soros is the one that is, uh, you know, the, the root of all evil if you are on the alt-right, or you're going to believe that uh, Sheldon Alderson, I guess was at this point, since he's not with us anymore, uh, Sheldon Alderson is the root of all evil for the Jews at that point. Um, but you'd have, you know, you take a look, you have an individual um, like, and Jonah Goldberg actually brought it up, and maybe I'll post his G file from Monday, uh, from Friday, where he talks about the Jew controlling the weather. Let me tell you something, folks. If we controlled the weather, I would not be having about 17 inches of snow expected for tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. Um, but in uh, in addition to that, um, you know, the, these are issues. You know, you have a guy. You have a guy like um, Louis Farrakhan, who, uh, in the Nation of Islam, who is heavily, heavily anti-Semitic, uh, you know, and people still embrace him on the left. And yes, they do give free breakfasts, uh, as Michael Moynihan likes to, Michael C. Moynihan likes to say, uh, but that does not stop and excuse the uh, anti-Semitic behavior and attitudes that they have. So this is an issue both on the right and the left. And actually, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to quote uh, chapter and verse on this from both sides, but you have it. And it's, uh, it's consistently been a problem. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it's rearing its ugly head right again. I'm not a fan, obviously, uh, of that, but, uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, that's, I guess, my quick take on it. I, I don't have, I don't want to take really a lot of hot takes on it, but I just, once and also Dash Riprock is the one that uh, suggested the Goyim Nose shut it down as the segment, as the name of the segment, so I definitely thank him, and cheers to you, Dash. Thank you. Any other questions that you guys want to ask in the, uh, in the chat over here? Okay, so folks, that is it for for this episode. I thank you all for uh, for joining us. I thank you for listening in, and I uh, once again I am Aaron Benedict, and I am not a rabbi.